The Misadventures with a Narcissist podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. With Audible.com, using the link that I have below in the show notes, you get one month free, your first month of membership. You get it free so you can check out some of the books on narcissistic abuse that I highly, highly recommend you read if you want to become more familiar with what exactly is going on with the dynamics of this relationship. So the first book that I recommend you guys read about narcissistic abuse is called Should I Stay or Should I Go? Surviving a Relationship with a Narcissist. And it is by Dr. Ramani Durvasula. And she has an awesome YouTube channel that I also highly recommend. But you can listen to this book for free with your Audible free trial. Otherwise, the book is $21.99, I believe, to buy. My other favorite book is called Dodging Energy Vampires by Dr. Christian Northrop. And this is actually one of the books that really helped me understand what was going on in terms of the dynamics of narcissistic relationships. So you can get both of these books for free with your free 30-day trial from audible.com. And you can cancel anytime within the first 30 days. And these books are still yours to listen to. So make sure to use the link in the description or in the show notes below to get your free 30-day trial membership to audible.com. Now back to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Misadventures with the Narcissist. So I wanted to do this episode. This might be a shorter one. Let's see how it goes. But I wanted to do this episode and talk about the five love languages and the narcissist. And before I do that, I also wanted to... I guess share a little bit about how I felt after the last episode. So I recorded that episode about two weeks ago and I was going to, and the episode that I'm talking about is the one titled Sex and the Narcissist, which is the one right before this one. And I recorded it about two weeks ago and I was going to schedule it to publish on a Monday and Monday came around and literally five minutes, I had it set for, I think it was 7 a.m., maybe, yeah, 7 a.m. I had it set for 7 a.m. to publish automatically to go live. And then about 15, 20 minutes before that, I woke up in panic. And I thought, you know, I can't publish an episode like that. That is mean. That is very, it's almost like a betrayal to the person who trusted you with their physical body and that intimate experience. And I felt like a horrible person for even talking about this and for sharing it with the world, basically, and putting it out there. And I immediately like jumped out of bed and I thought, you know, I can't publish this episode. It's just not okay. This is not the kind of person that I am. And he trusted me. And this is something that's like between two people and should not go, you know, outside of the bedroom or should not be talked about or shared. And I decided I was not going to publish that episode. And then a few days went by and I kept thinking about it. And then on Thursday, I believe, so maybe like four days went by. And on Thursday, I had this, I don't know, this my mind totally changed. And I thought, you know, I have to publish this. Like I have to put this episode out there because it is something that probably a lot of people can relate to. And probably 
something that is never talked about, something that needs to be talked about because there is just, we can be silent about these things. And I felt uncomfortable, but it felt like the right thing to do. So I did go ahead and make that episode live. And I have been sitting with that. It's been about a week and a half now. I've been sitting with that and going back and forth between feeling like, did I do the right thing or did I do the not so right thing? And I feel the sense of betrayal. I feel the sense of who talks about this stuff? Like nobody talks about it. And there's a reason nobody talks about it. And it's because it should be private. So, but then again, I go back and forth and I feel like this absolutely needs to be talked about. So I wanted to share that because I have been having mixed feelings for sure about last week's episode. And who knows, I might um, go back at some point and delete it. I don't even know what I'm going to do. But I, right now, it feels like it's the right thing to do, even though, interestingly enough, it feels like I have betrayed my ex-husband. And the interesting thing is that there is a loyalty to the narcissist. And that is it may be part of the Stockholm syndrome, if you guys are familiar with that, where you're kind of like loyal to your abuser and you protect them and you, um, you kind of, you know, don't treat them like your abuser. So I don't know if it's like a version of that. I'm not sure what it is, but I did feel a bit torn. So I wanted to share that before we talk about this week's episode. And then I also wanted to share another quote from Instagram that I really, really loved. And when I read this yesterday, I totally teared up. I got a bunch of emotions and I wanted to share it with you guys. So this is from the account of Rainbow Salt. And I will put this in the show notes below to put the link directly to this. But the, or not the quote, but the post goes something like this. Above all else, I hope you give yourself permission to believe that you are not defined by a person's inability to love you or by a person's inability to choose you. I hope you do not abandon who you are, even though they did. I hope you do not neglect or question yourself, even though they did. I hope you remember to love yourself better than they could. I hope you learn how to give yourself that kind of strength. I hope you remind yourself that you are rare, that you hold value here. I hope seasons of being misunderstood, of being unappreciated, do not cause you to see yourself through the eyes of those who could not celebrate you or support you. Above all else, I hope with I hope you connect with just how worthy you have always been. I hope you give yourself permission to be all that you are. And I wanted to share that with you guys because this really touched me. And if any of you are in the same boat where you are feeling less than, where you feel unworthy, where you feel that there's something inherently wrong with you because of what this person did to you. I want you to know that that's not true. And I am working on that as well. I am constantly working on that. You guys have no idea. I'm constantly thinking about how... I should not let one person, even though it was a highly influential person in my life, that they do not get to define me, that I get to define me. So I wanted to share that quote with you, hopefully to give you some hope and inspiration to 
really appreciate and love and honor yourself and to realize that is just one person and the way they treated you is a reflection of how they see themselves. Even though I've talked about before that the way they treated you is a reflection of how you see yourself, but I honestly think it's both because no good person would treat anybody that way, regardless of how the other person felt about themselves. So anyway, I did want to start off with that. And in today's episode, I want to talk about the five love languages and the narcissist. And I also actually, before we even go there, I do want to say with the last episode and with a lot of the stuff that I talked about, that there is a lot of quote unquote good stuff that happened in my relationship. And I am not focusing on that in this podcast, right? This is not about all the stuff that went great, all the stuff that you know, that we did well, all the, all his great qualities. This is about the misadventures. It's about the stuff that went wrong. It's about the stuff that was confusing and heartbreaking and disheartening and all of those things. So I wanted to mention that because it was not always bad. It was not always horrible. He was not always a horrible person, at least outwardly. And that is why this was so confusing. And that is part of why I stayed for so long, because it was not always that bad. So I wanted to mention that and to also talk about the last episode, because sex was not always the way that I described it, right? Like it was not always a performance. It was not always the things that I said it was. It was most of the time, and especially at the end, it was pretty much like 90% of the time. Um, But it was not always like that. And there were different stages, which is why this whole thing is so darn confusing, because it's not always the same. And you, like, you have a bad experience and something confusing, and you think, huh, what was that? And then you kind of try to justify it and think about all the good times that you had, all of the positive experiences, all of the things that didn't hurt, you know, Um, all of the things that were memories and all of the memories that you built together. So I wanted to share that too before I go on and talk about today's episode. So today's episode is about the five love languages. And this was a concept that I was not familiar with when I was married. I actually learned about the five love languages as I was getting divorced, um, as I we had separated and um, things kind of definitely, it, it was clear that we were not going to ever be together again. So this is something that I actually just realized a few weeks ago when I was like, oh my God, that's what this was. And I wanted to make or to dedicate its own episode, excuse me, to this, because I think this is really important and something that I kind of connected the dots afterwards. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with the five love languages. If you are not, they are um, physical touch, quality time, gifts, words of affirmation, and acts of service. And basically what happens is most people, excuse me, most people have like one or two of these that are like the main thing that 
kind of drives them or connects them in a relationship with a partner. And I took the test after, like, as I was going through my separation and my two love languages, the first one was physical touch and the second one was quality time. And I, I don't know what his were, although if I have to kind of think about it, I can kind of justify or, or I could see all of them. And I have thought about asking him um, what his love languages were for the purpose of this podcast. But then I decided, you know, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't even care. I don't even want to know what they are. Um, and it's not really relevant to me anymore. So I decided not to ask him. But um, if I had to guess, I would say his physical language was um, acts of service and words of affirmation. And the reason I say that is because those were the things that he gave me. Those were the things that were his gifts in a way. And I also say that because he was very involved, as I mentioned before, with the kids, super helpful with a lot of the household chores like there were times where he was the only one cooking and cleaning and doing all of the things and he would go get our you know car washed and put gas in it and do all our grocery shopping and like he really did serve in that way so i do think that it was one of his love languages and then i think the other one was um words of affirmation because he loved and i'm sure this is typical of many narcissists, but he loved to be praised. He loved to be told how awesome and amazing and this and that he is. So I am guessing that those were his two love languages. And mine being physical touch and quality time obviously didn't match. So I am someone who loves to like to be physically close with someone. I love you know, to be touched, to be held, to snuggle and cuddle and um, all of those things that require like being really physically close with someone. Like I just love being physically close with my partner. And that doesn't mean, you know, doesn't always mean sex. Oftentimes it's like, I just, even just sitting next to you or like going with you on a walk where it's like, we're physically close and literally near each other. That is how I feel the most love and the most cared for and the safest. And it is something that I really treasure and something that I really value. And then the other, the second thing is quality time. So I feel like I am not, you know, if if someone spends like 10 focused minutes with me where it's like, they're only paying attention, like totally present with what we're doing with, you know, what we're focusing on. To me, that means so much more like that quality time, that focused, present, intentional quality time means so much more than like a whole day being in the same household and going about our day, but barely talking to each other. And yes, we're physically in the same space, but we're not really engaging. We're not present with each other. We're not, um, you know, we're not together 
together, <laughs> um, even though we're physically in the same space. So those were the two things that I value. And those were the two things that he really denied me. And this was not in the beginning, right? Like in the beginning, we had plenty of that. We spent a lot of time together, a lot of quality time. We were physically intimate. We, you know, we watched TV together and went on walks and did yoga. And like we, I felt like I was definitely getting that from him constantly. And then when things took a turn for the worse, when around the time, excuse me, I had just had to have a drink of water around the time when our third child was born. This was, I talked about it in previous episodes when everything kind of changed. It was like a dramatic shift. And the person that I was with was like literally gone. Um, and he turned into a totally different person is when, uh, you know, when I did have those things and I felt safe in the relationship, I felt like I was getting my needs met and I just felt like this was my person. And then once that shifted, it was literally like all of those things were taken away from me. And uh, I mean, he took those things away from me. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if it, I, I think he was conscious, although I, you know, it, it's hard to know without his side or, or without his side of the story, but I think he did it on purpose. And there were like, I talked about it before, like when we would have sex, we would literally have sex and then he would get up and leave. There was no quality time. Yes. The time that we would have sex, you know, it was, we were there physically together, but as I mentioned before, it literally felt like more of a performance than an act of connection and, um, presence with each other. So he literally would just get up and leave and there was no quality time, right? Like I was desperately searching and wanting quality time. And he would just say things like, oh, I'm busy reading. I have to read a play or I'm busy working or I'm tired. You know, I'm around the house all the time. We're together all the time. And I got to go do my own thing. And, and it was true, right? Like we were, I worked from home most of the time. And he, when he didn't have a job to go to, he was also home. And then when, even when he did have a job, it was, he would be home most of the day and he would be gone during the evening. So we did spend a lot of time in the same home together, but there was no quality time. And it was literally like, he was so, I guess, like rejectful, if that's even a word of us spending time together. I remember me saying, things like, Hey, want to go grab lunch? And he'd be like, no, sorry. Um, I have to read a play or I have to grade papers or I have to, um, to do things. And then he would like be so excited and be like, Oh, I'm so excited. I'm having lunch tomorrow with the head of the department, or I'm having lunch tomorrow with my stage manager who's visiting from blah, blah, blah town and city, or I'm having a zoom call with, you know, this person and that person. And like, he would get so excited about spending time with other people. And when I would ask him to spend time with me, he would just go, well, I see you all the time at home. So it was like, I literally felt like the thing that made me feel the most connected to him, which was the physical touch and the time were totally gone. And he 
he was like on purpose taking those things away and denying them to me. And the same thing with physical touch. And this is something that like I got really sad about when I realized it, but I was thinking a few weeks ago when I got the idea for this episode that I'm, you know, I'm very affectionate. I'm very, you know, like I like to hug and hold hands and, and all of that. Now I'm not like that in an overbearing way, but I do really enjoy it. And I do feel really close with someone when I do that with them. And I remember the last few years of our relationship that anytime I would touch him, even if I would like hold his hand or like go and, uh, you know, we would be watching TV and I would like put my hand on his leg or want to give him a hug. Or even when I wanted to kiss him, he would always, almost always, and I use the word almost always, um, with caution here because it's, you know, it's not, it was, like I said before, it wasn't always this way, but towards the end, it was almost always anytime I would want to touch him in any way, even if it was in a non-sexual way, he would immediately want to have sex. And I, you know, at first I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, that's fine, whatever. I can go along with this and uh, whatever. I'll, I'll have sex right now, even though it's like, I just wanted a hug. I just wanted to kiss him or I just wanted to hold his hand or be next to him on the couch while we watch TV. But it was almost always like, as soon as I would get close to him or touch him in any way, whether he was doing dishes or, you know, folding laundry, or we were at our desks working or whatever we were doing, like anytime I would touch him, he would immediately turn around and want to have sex. And I, you know, there were times where of course I said, okay. And I was like, fine, whatever. Um, this is fun. You know, this is spontaneous. I can, I can be spontaneous. Right. But then after a point, it became very hard for me to even touch him because I then learned um, or I I was trained in a way, and I know it's a weird word that I'm using, but I was trained to only touch him when I wanted sex. And I literally would stay away and I would feel like, oh, I want to kiss him right now or I want to hold him or hug him. And then I would stop myself and be like, no, I can't because I'm not, I don't want to have sex right now. Like I just literally just want to touch him or hold him or whatever it is that I wanted to do without having sex. And at one point, like I remember, you know, I went and like gave him a hug and he was, I could tell that, you know, he wanted to have sex right away. And I said, you know, I'm not really, I don't want that right now. I just want to hug you and I just want to hold you. And he would get so mad and he, he was like, fine, but you know, you can't do that because once guys get excited and guys get turned on, it really hurts, you know, uh, down there, <laughs> um, if we don't have sex and it's like, I totally know, like, I understand about that concept. And I know that I, I do know that that is something that is in a way physically different with a man than it is with a woman. But at the same time, it's like, 
okay, but I just want to hug you. Like, I don't, I don't want to have sex right now. Like there is so many more things that you can be doing with a partner to show connection than to just have sex. And it just, again, it felt like I was so confused and I was so deprived, I think, of touch and of quality time. Because anytime I would touch him, he would immediately, it was like, a switch would flip immediately and he would want to take all our clothes off and go and have sex. And I just learned that I could not touch him because he would get mad and he would get angry and he would give me the silent treatment and kind of shame me if I didn't want to have sex after I gave him a hug or, um, you know, or snuggled up with him on the couch or kissed him or whatever. And at the same time, he would only do those things to me when he wanted to have sex. So his way of, um, showing me that he wanted to have sex was that he would come up and kiss me or he would come and hug me or, you know, he would do whatever physical thing that would kind of get him, I don't know, aroused or whatever. <laughs> this feels so weird to talk about, but um, he would only do those things when he wanted to have sex. And I've just been looking back at it and those things like right now looking back are making me feel so used because it was not about, Hey, I'm going to go kiss my wife because I love her. It was like, Hey, I'm going to go kiss my wife because I want to have sex right now. And, uh, this is how I show that. And, uh, you know, of course, <laughs> like there's so many other things you can do without having sex. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I wanted to share that because it was very subtle, but also very, like it had a huge impact on our relationship. And I don't know if any of you listening to this can actually relate to this. If you do, I would love to know, um, maybe leave me a message and let me know that you too have struggled with this or that maybe it's something that, oh, wow, I didn't realize that this happened in my relationship too until I listened to this podcast or until I heard your experience. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that. And I felt, <laughs> I don't know, just so disconnected because in on one hand, it's like, well, that's awesome that my husband gets around or gets aroused within like two seconds of me touching him, right? That's awesome. And you feel great and you feel attractive and you feel, you know, like you still got it um, in a way. But then at the same time, it's like, there's just so much more to love than having sex. And for me, those two things that would make me feel so connected, like the quality time and the physical touch, were totally cut off from my relationship unless I wanted to have sex immediately. And this is something that I just remember feeling like, oh, this feels weird. And it's like, I just want to give him a hug right now, but I don't want to have sex, but I can give him a hug because he's going to want sex right away. And I don't want that right now. And it was like literally the same with quality time. It was 
you know, he would get mad if I would ask him to do something together. He would get upset if I wanted to spend time with him. He would call me needy and clingy. And he would say that um, I need to go have my own hobbies and friends. And it's like I had hobbies and I had friends. And on top of that, I wanted to spend time with my husband. And he was like, no, you're too needy. I'm sorry. You know, I got to work or I got to go to the gym or I got to go on a bike ride or I got to do this or that or like whatever. He would always come up with all of these like extra activities for him to do, which is fine, right? Like I understand we all have interests. We all have things that we love and we want to pursue and that make us happy outside of the relationship. And I'm all for that. Like I would never, you know, say, no, you can't do that. But it literally became a thing of let's see how many things I can do outside of our relationship and without each other. And let's see how many of those things as possible we can do in a day. And I just remember the last, um, like the, maybe it was like the last two years of our relationship that he was like, you need more hobbies. You know, you need to go out there and you need more hobbies. And I, I had plenty of hobbies. <laughs> um, I, but it was like, none of them were valid because to him, because they were not the same hobbies as his, but I have plenty of hobbies and I have plenty of friends that I could do outside of our relationship. And I would do those things. And I would like literally, you know, spend my morning going on a walk by myself. Then I would work by myself. Then I would, um, you know, go see my friends by myself. I mean, by myself, meaning without him, I would go to yoga by myself. I would go to the gym. I would go travel. Like I, I was doing so many things by myself that I literally the last two or three years, I didn't even feel like I had a partner to do things with. And I remember one time um, I went up to him and I was, I said, Hey, you know, I think we need to do more things in common. And I would love to like spend more quality time with you and just to connect more. And he, and I can't remember if I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I remember he was training for a triathlon and I um, wanted to, you know, to kind of not train with him, but I wanted to maybe join him on, on some of his runs and all of that. And I remember one time I was like, hey, can I join you on your run? And he was like, sure, but I don't know if you can keep up with me. And I was like, fine, whatever, you know, I'll um, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And we went on this run and I was totally fine keeping up with him. And then he started speeding up and going super fast. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I can't, um, I, I can't go that fast. Can you slow down or, you know, or kind of like, can we do this run together? And he was just like, no, you, you know, I'm training and I, you can't keep me behind. So you got to go and work out on your own. And I just remember kind of like jogging back home and feeling so sad and feeling so rejected. And after that, like I never, we never worked out together again. And mind you, when we first started our relationship, we did like, I think I mentioned this, we did a 30 day yoga challenge when we would go together for an hour and a half each day to a yoga class. And he did that we would go to the gym together. Like after I had our first baby and second baby, um, we would literally every morning we would 
take our kids and, you know, put them in the, um, like the daycare at the gym and we would work out together. We would go on crazy long walks together with, you know, with the stroller and the kids and like, we would just do all of these things together. And then he like, all of a sudden he was like, nope, I'm not doing those things with you anymore. You got to find your own hobbies, your own interests, your own, you know, your own things. And I still had my own things, but I wanted to like to still do stuff with him. And I was like, okay, fine. Maybe he doesn't want to work out with me. I will find something else that we can do together. And I remember I had gotten an office space and um, he needed to, there was one time when we had a babysitter and he needed to do a lot of work and he needed to get out of the house. So I remember, um, telling him, Hey, I have like an extra desk and a chair in my office. Do you want to come work in my office space? And he was literally like, no, sorry, I don't want to be distracted by you. And he literally, there was a coffee shop right across the street from my office space. And he went to the coffee shop and I remember just me, you know, and he sat there and the crazy thing is that he was someone who's very outgoing and he was so chatty and he would like chat up with everybody who was like sitting next to him in the coffee shop, but he would not sit in an office with me and work with me silently. And it's, you know, of course someone can look at this, look at this and be like, yeah, well, you know, he just didn't enjoy spending time with you anymore or didn't, um, was not attracted to you. So maybe that was like the end of the relationship and he didn't know how to tell you. And yes, that could be true. And that was true because it was quite a long process about like five, six, seven years or so before, um, we actually separated and divorced of this, like of this constant rejection. So he didn't want to work out with me. He didn't want to sit in the same office space as me. Um, he didn't no longer wanted to go on walks with me. He didn't want, like there was nothing that I would ask him to do. Like I remember asking him one time to go to a concert and he was like, no, I'm not interested in that band. I'm sorry, go by yourself. And there was another time when, there was a speaker that I wanted to see and he was, <clears throat> he was coming to speak in our town and it was like this inspirational talk. And I was like, Hey, do you want to come with me? And he was like, no, I find those things so boring and so annoying. Um, so it was like everything I would ask him to do, he would say no. And then he would say things like, well, we don't have anything in common and, um, maybe we should just be with people who we have stuff in common with. And it's like, okay, we had things in common the first seven years of our marriage. And I did things that you enjoyed and you did things that I enjoyed and we did things together. And now all of a sudden, because you are in your discard phase, um, you've decided that we have nothing in common. Okay. And there was this another time where, he told me that, um, I wanted to do something together. Like I wanted us to have an activity after, you know, like in the evenings, I'm like, if he's not interested in going on walks together, which we used to do as a family all the time before that, I'm like, maybe him and I can do something together alone without the kids. And I remember like, you know, looking and finding stuff. And I can't remember if he suggested this or I suggested this, but we had decided to take tennis lessons together and tennis was something that, you know, I enjoyed, he enjoyed, but we were both never really good at. We never really did it. Um, I hadn't played tennis. Um, 
I think since high school and even in high school, like I would just go with my sister and play. It's not like I did it, um, organize, you know, like organized tennis or anything like that. But I was like, you know, this might be fun to just play tennis together and do something together. And at first he said yes. And he looked for tennis, you know, like tennis lessons or tennis games or whatever in our town. And he found some. And I remember being so excited and thinking, oh my God, we're finally going to do something together um, without the kids, just for us to connect like twice a week, you know, we'll go for like an hour and do tennis. And it's like, I know it's guarantee time that we have together that I can look forward to. And I just remember him telling me, um, like maybe it was like a day before the tennis match or the tennis game start or the tennis lesson started. Sorry. Um, I remember him just being like, you know, yeah, I decided that you need more hobbies on your own. So I don't want to do tennis. I think you should just do it on your own. So I just booked the tennis lessons for you and I'll stay home with the kids and cook dinner and I'll have dinner ready for when you come home. And I remember feeling so devastated and I know it's just like an hour of tennis, but it was literally like at that point, it was the only thing I had to look forward to in terms of focused time with him um, because we had stopped going, you know, on our weekly dates, we stopped going on our walks, like we pretty much stopped doing anything as a couple without kids. And I just remember feeling so sad <laughs> and so upset and so hurt, just so hurt and confused and feeling like, why doesn't he want to spend time with me? And I showed up to the tennis, um, and this was the worst part. I showed up to the tennis, you know, tennis lessons, and there were three other couples there and me. And all of the couples, like the tennis instructor, before we start our tennis lessons, um, she asked everybody why they were there. And every single one of those couples, they were like, oh, we're just looking for something fun to do together so we could, you know, spend more time together and connect. And then there was me who I was like, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm here because I want to play tennis and I want to learn how to play tennis. And I just remember feeling so sad and watching these couples play tennis together and spend time like quality time with each other. And he was not there for that because the day before he decided I needed to do tennis on my own. And it was a lot of just so much of that, that I was spending my time feeling so rejected and looking for things that we can do together. And he would say no to almost every single one of them. And then he would continue to ask me to do things that he loved. So two of the things that he really loved were sports and music. And he was a huge fan of like, you know, going to watch football games and hockey games and basketball and college games at the college where he's teaching. And like, you know, we would take our kids and I would always say yes. Like I, I don't enjoy sports. I'm not someone who does, um, but I would always say yes. And I would go with him and I would, you know, make the most of it and look at it as a way to connect. And of course, when we were at these events, he would hardly pay any attention to me. Um, he would just focus on the sports, which in some ways I'm like, okay, we're there for the sport, but we're also there to spend time with each other. But 
Anyway, I guess I kind of justified why he would do that. And then the other thing he would love to do is that he would love to go to concerts. So pretty much like <clears throat> maybe once a month, we would go to a concert. And I, again, it's not something that I normally would do on my own. I mean, I, I don't hate concerts. I used to love concerts when I was in college. I would go all the time and even after college. But I think once I started having kids and I don't know, just the thought of, and I know this sounds crazy, but maybe some moms can relate to this, but the thought of like staying up super late, listening to loud music, driving like an hour or two hours away, dealing with the parking. I don't know. It was just like a, a huge affair where I would just come back exhausted at like one or 2 a.m. And when you have to wake up at like five or 6 a.m., it's like you just don't, you're just not really excited to do that. But I still said yes, right? Like I still said yes to the concert. I still would go with him to all of his favorite bands. And one time, I asked him, there was a band that I really wanted to see, and I asked him if he wants to come with me, and he said no. And I just remember feeling like, you know, I've gone with you to so many concerts and so many hockey games and football games and basketball games and, like, all of these things, like, all, you know, all of the things that he wanted to do, I've done. And I am asking him to one concert and he's saying no because he hates the band. It's like I freaking hate so many of the bands that he wanted to see. But I still went because it was time with him. It was like me spending time with him and he can't even say yes to something that I want. And after that incident, I was just like, you know, I'm not... I'm not going to say yes to all of these things that he wants to do. I'm just not going to do it anymore because he's not reciprocating. You know, he's not doing the same thing for me and the things that are meaningful to me. So I stopped asking him to do stuff. And of course, he accused me of not having hobbies and not having things that I love to do. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, no, I just did all of those things with my friends or I kind of stopped doing them because who really wants to go to a concert by themselves, right? Like, I don't want to do that. And I don't know, we just, we just stopped doing things. And then he would be like, yep, we have nothing in common. We should just get divorced and find people that we have things in common with. So this was, I, I, I don't know. I just wanted to do this episode to talk about the love languages and the love language that was mine, the two that were mine most important and that he literally denied for the majority of our last few five, six, seven years together. And I don't know if you guys can relate. I hope uh, maybe you can and um, can maybe you've like realized something that you hadn't realized before. But when I realized this, I literally just started crying and I felt so sad for myself. Not in a, I feel sorry for you kind of way, but I just felt so much sadness for my, I guess my spirit, my being, the person who was so hopeful and so positive and like giving it all. And I was not literally getting any of that in return. And on top of it, I had to, I guess, um, 
suffer the consequences of silent treatment and, you know, being told that I have nothing in common or that I'm, um, I don't know, all of the things that he said. Anyway, I am just rambling on now, but I think that's where I'm going to end this week's episode. And I hope you guys found something useful in this story. It really helped me to say it out loud because it's something that I just never really put together before. And it's something that I think narcissists will do a lot of. Like if you are someone who loves to get gifts, they will withhold gifts. If you are someone who loves, you know, acts of service, they will withhold that once they realize that that's what you want. And I didn't realize that literally until about two weeks ago, which is four years, four, I think, four years since I have been separated and divorced from him. So some things are still clicking into place now even after I have thought about, you know, all the work that I've done and all the books that I've read and all the things I've listened to and videos that I've watched and all of that, some things are still just making sense now. And I'm like, that is what that was. Like there is so much of, oh my God, that is what this is. And that is what this was, if that makes sense, um, in the relationship. And it just makes so much sense now. So anyway, that is what I wanted to share with you guys today. I am going to um, ask all of you, if you have not subscribed, to please subscribe and make sure that you get notified of every episode that I released. We are now, well, I am now at almost 5,000 downloads, which is crazy. And I am so grateful and thankful and um, I have started an Instagram account. There's no content there, but if you search for misadventures with a narcissist, um, I think you'll find my account. So I would love if you want to follow me or if you want to communicate with me there. I think moving forward, that might be the best way for me to get your messages or stay in touch with you guys. But yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, go ahead and do that. I will be uploading some content soon. And I want to thank you for being here and for listening to another episode, which I thought was going to be a 20 minute episode. And instead it has turned into a 40 minute episode. So with that, I'm going to sign off and thank you guys so much for being here and listening to another episode of Misadventures with the Narcissist. Bye.